Welcome into Hitting Hard with John Chuckery here on Locked on Sports Atlanta. Today on the show, who plays opposite Ebba Katie, make it make sense, and depth chart thoughts. It's all next. It's Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. This is Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, part of Locked on Sports Atlanta. And it starts now. Hitting Hard is part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. So we know that Arnold Ebicady is obviously going to be the starting outside linebacker for the Atlanta Falcons this year. And obviously we're putting a lot of pressure on him to create a whole lot of sacks and put up some big numbers this year. But as I look at the depth chart that was just released by the Falcons leading into Friday night's game, preseason game number one, I I do have a question just about the idea of who's actually going to play opposite him. You know, Again, a lot of times that these big-time pass rushers have to have a successful running mate to go along with them. You know, Miles Garrett had, you know, a uh, had a uh, Jadavion Clowney plus a couple other guys. You know, again, we see guys that have those pieces along with them. And sometimes the, the pieces that are beside those guys or opposite those guys are not nearly as good. I mean, again, I remember Jared Allen. Right. And that's how Ray Edwards got his big contract. Right. He played opposite Jared Allen, who was one of the all timers and just one of the more destructive forces in the NFL. And Ray Edwards got himself a big time contract with the Falcons uh, piggybacking off of him. So a lot of times it doesn't work out, but you do typically want to have that running mate to go along with Ebba Katie. So who's going to play opposite him? You know, again, Is it Bud Dupree? Is it D'Angelo Malone? Is it Lorenzo Carter? You know, who's going to be that guy? You know, at times it'll probably be Michael Walker even sliding to the outside. You know, I, I think that their hope is that they have Bud Dupree be their starter going into week one, and then maybe eventually that that changes, whether it's Carter or something like that. You know, look, I'm not saying that there aren't some decent options to play opposite Ebicady, but if some of these guys don't live up to their billing, then I don't know how good Ebicady is going to be. If Bud Dupree can't get his career back on track, or Lorenzo Carter can't have an impact, or at some point, if it is a Zach Harrison or something like that, if those guys can't have some impact, on what's going to happen opposite Ebicady, then I do have my concerns because again, they're going to take they're going to try to take away Ebicady pretty quickly. And again, Ebicady is a nice player, but let's see if he can handle a bigger type of workload. You know, Calais Campbell could be a guy that slides a little bit outside. You know, and again, I won't I I'll I'll put Adi Ogundeji just on the list but there's no chance that he's really any kind of outside threat. So I think the idea is that 
Bud Dupree, who is listed first on the depth chart. But again, take the complete depth chart with a complete grain of salt. Like, don't buy too much into the depth chart. Again, we'll, we'll talk about that later on in the program. But take the depth chart with a grain of salt. But I do think that Bud Dupree, for right now, is probably the leader in the clubhouse. And he's a guy that we just talked about yesterday, right? That we haven't really ho- talked a whole lot about Bud Dupree. We haven't really seen much of him. We haven't seen the highlight plays about, oh, Bud Dupree's back and he's healthier than ever and he's motivated and all this. And, and he's he said the right things. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that he's, you know, kind of not been, you know, part of the team and, and doing good things. But, again, we just haven't seen kind of those wild plays or anything like that. Again, maybe by design. I, I don't know. But I, I just, you know, again, I look at a guy like Eva Katie, who's young, who's trying to get his way in. And again, there's a lot of pressure on an Eva Katie to come in and help us create a whole bunch of sacks. And look, again, if he's a two sack guy, three sack guy again, we're not going to get defensively to where we need to be because there aren't going to be a whole lot of eight or nine sack guys. We can talk about some guys that get three, four, five, six sacks, whatever like that. But unless you're going to tell me we got 10 of those guys, then I'm going to be a little bit concerned. And we've got to get to the quarterback this year. There's no there's no ifs, ands, or buts about this. If this thing is going to turn around defensively and we're going to be a playoff caliber defense, you have to get to the quarterback, right? We've preached this over and over and over and over again. And, and it will necessitate at some point, whether that's next year, whether that's years down the road, but there is going to be a necessity to draft a first-round pass rusher again. Yes, getting back into that well. Again, I've talked about this. 70% of the top 10 current active sack leaders, current current active sack leaders in the NFL are first-round picks. 70% of the top 20 current active sack leaders are first-round picks. 70% of the current active sack leaders in the top 25 are sack are, are first round picks. Those are all not coincidences. First round guys are where you make your hay and you develop those guys. And, and those are the impact players. So again, at some point we're going to have to dip our toe back into that well and grab us a first round pass rusher. But obviously for this year, we're relying on Katie and hopefully Bud Dupree. Again, they'll, they'll have a, a, a myriad of rotation of guys to play this position. Hopefully, Bud Dupree is a guy who can step his game up. Hopefully, Lorenzo Carter's, you know, can, I don't know. I I don't even know what Lorenzo Carter is at this point. He played about 75% of the snaps last year, played a good bit. He did have some impact, but, eh, okay, you know, again, wasn't necessarily even sacking the quarterback. He did make the the big interception play and this and the other. I mean, he did some good things. I'll give Lorenzo Carter credit for that, and, and I think that he's a nice rotational piece at this point, but I'm probably not as enamored if he's going to play another 75% of the snaps for this team this year. So again, we're we're getting back into the hopefuls, wishful thinkings. You know, we need guys to step up and this, that, and the other. You know, I certainly think that Michael Walker is a guy who's going to see some time at outside linebacker. You know, he's listed on the depth chart as one of the inside linebackers, but I think he definitely could see some time at outside linebacker. And part of that is not even so much 
his pass rushing ability, but his pass coverage ability. Now, he's been a very good pass coverage linebacker. He actually had six passes defended last year, which is a pretty good number for a linebacker who runs around and, and doesn't play particularly 95% of all the snaps and things like that. He is pretty good effectively, you know, in, in the pass game. So, again, he'll probably see some time. So there'll be a myriad of guys, but when it's time to go get the quarterback, when it's when it's third and 13 and, and we got to line up and we've got to go buzzsaw right at the quarterback, that's probably going to be a Bud Dupree for right now. And let's hope that, again, if he – if he's a guy who he has, he had seven sacks over a two year period. And that's part of why the Titans released him is just that he's not the same player that he was a few years ago when he was in Pittsburgh, you know, he's peaked at 11 and a half sacks. He's not that same kind of player anymore. Only seven sacks in the last two years. So hopefully Bud Dupree is a guy that gives us some of that oomph off the edge. But if not, you know, how effective can Ebba Katie be just flying solo on his own? It's going to be interesting to see who is going to end up lining opposite of Arnold Ebba Katie when all is said and done. Malone, Carter, Bud Dupree, Michael Walker. I think they're going to use a myriad of guys, in, in especially in a particular situation that they're going to get into defensively. But let's see when it's third and 13 who's going to come off that edge and go right after the quarterback. All right, this episode is brought to you by FanDuel. As you know, FanDuel's America's number one sports book, and there's no better way to bet on Major League Baseball as we're actually just a few weeks away from playoff baseball, if you can believe it, than on FanDuel, where you can get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets, up to $200. That's right. You bet 20 bucks on FanDuel, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets, whether you win or whether you lose. It's 200 bucks you can spend on betting on everything from money lines to the over-unders to who you think is going to hit the first home run. And obviously with FanDuel, it's a safe, secure, super easy-to-use app. And most importantly is when you win, you get paid instantly. No better place to bet on Major League Baseball than on America's number one sportsbook, FanDuel. So head over right now to FanDuel.com slash on. That's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N and get your $200 in bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn, FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel is the official partner of Major League Baseball. So I have to have this make sense. So there was a report, I guess it was yesterday or what have you, that Sham Sharinia put out on his Twitter page. And he talked about this in an article that he wrote for the athletic. And here's what, here's what it says. So this is about the Atlanta Hawks making a move to go get Pascal Siakam. Okay. Sounds pretty good. And, you know, again, we, we, you know, we, I know we've been in the market and this, that, and the other, here's what Shams had to say. Atlanta quote, this is a quote. Quote, Atlanta has offered a package centered around DeAndre Hunter, A.J. Griffin, and draft compensation to Toronto for Siakam, league sources say. But the Raptors are believed to have upped the price on any possible deal at each turn. 
Okay. And by the way, one of the other quotes that I saw about this story was the Raptors balked at the idea of trading Siakam for that package. I'd balk too. Like I'm embarrassed for Landry Fields. You mean to tell me that we're looking at trying to land a multiple time all NBA player. He's been a second and third all NBA player. He's a multiple time all-star. We're looking at getting rid of our trash in DeAndre Hunter, a nice young player, but obviously not at Siakam's level, and draft picks. Like, that's really what we offered to get him. Again, I'll go back to this question. Are we really serious about changing the direction of this roster? Well, you can't give up all kinds of picks. Wait a second. Wait a second. We're at a desperate point. You know, at some point, we can't just sit back and say, well, you know, we got Quinn Snyder and we'll just coach our way through it. Your coaching wasn't all the problem last year. Okay. I know a lot of y'all think that, well, you know, Nate McMillan was the whole problem. No, he wasn't. But no, no, Nate McMillan was not the whole problem. And, and here's the problem that we're really running into right now. As we sit here on August 9th, the year of our Lord, 2023, this Hawks roster isn't better than what it was when we lost to the Celtics. Bottom line, we, we can spin it and talk about things and change and hopes and wishes and prayers and all. Right now, our roster is not better than it was when we lost to the Boston Celtics. And if we're going to make a play for a Siakam, you're going to have to give some things up. And, and look, at the end of the day, if I have Siakam, Trey Young, DeJounte Murray, and whatever, um, you know, add, add a Capella or, you know, some player into that mix, I'm going to have to roll the dice with those guys. Well, but he's a rental player. Okay. But you don't even make the trade. You don't even make the trade. If you don't, if you think that he's not going to sign a long-term deal, you have to, you have to make that offer knowing that he's going to sign a long-term deal. You have to argue from a position of strength, not just, well, let's give you our trash. And then, you know, we'll give you Deandre Hunter who we don't want and draft picks. Like, how does that make that make sense? Make it make sense that that's what we're offering to get a multiple-time all-NBA caliber player. Now, if we're not going to go after Jalen Brown, then the next best guy that's available out there on the marketplace is Pascal Siakam. And again, I, I have my issues just as far as not the player, but I again, that seems like an offer that, you offer it hoping that the Raptors will take it, but you don't really want them to take it, right? Because again, he's going to be a max guy. He's not playing for less than a max contract. I promise you. And his brothers even made mention about that, that he's like, you know, oh, yeah, you think we're going to the Hawks or whatever? You know, he's not playing for a dime less than max money. Whatever that number ends up being, he's playing for max money. So you better commit to the idea of adding another $120, $150 million worth of payroll to keep Pascal Siakam. So, A, I don't know that the Hawks are ready 
to do all of that. <clears throat> I'm not convinced or sold that they want to get in the luxury tax moving forward or have that kind of money tied up in the guys. But if you're going to make an offer, let's make an offer. If you, if you really think that Pasco Siakam is a difference maker and you plug him in here and, and we can go be one of the better teams in the Eastern Conference, if you really feel that way, then offer a package that's worthy, not one of our trash players and some draft picks. Sorry, I mean, I'm not impressed by the deal that's being offered for Pascal Siakam. And maybe the Raptors will take less at the end of the day. I don't know. I know right now that they're, that they're again, the, the quote was they balked at the idea of trading Siakam. I'd balk too. I'd, I'd, I'd end up balking too <clears throat> as far as if that's the compensation package you're going to give me, one of your trash players that you don't want, who you overpaid for, and some of your draft picks, and yeah, a nice young player who can shoot the basketball. But let's see if A.J. Griffin is going to be second, third team All-NBA. No, I'm not doing that deal. I'll hang on to Siakam and try to re-sign him or what have you before I get into all of that. Are we are we really committed to doing what we have to do to change up the dynamic of this organization? Are we really committed to it? See, I don't get that sense. And, and you can spin to me all these narratives about this and that and whatever like that. Tony Ressler can tell me about how, how desperately they want to win and this, that, and the other and all this other fall to roll and good stuff. I'm not convinced. I'm not. I'm not convinced about what the direction of this team is. Here's what I do know. We're not better today than we have been in the past. If we grab Pascal Siakam, we're a better roster. And again, unless you tell me that we're going to sign him long-term, <clears throat> I, I, I wouldn't even make the deal unless I had a guarantee of that. So why even offer? Again, if you're offering a deal, you're thinking that he's going to, you know, he's going to be here long term. But you're not just giving, you know, again, I think the whole thing is a mess. When I read this trade, I was like, are we really serious about trying to make a difference on our franchise? Are we really committed and serious? Again, if if you're just going to offer a trade for the sake of offering a trade, don't offer a trade. Don't don't offer anybody. Just stay out of the mix. It's okay if you don't want Siakam because of the money and different things like that that's going to be attached to him. I mean, seriously, if if you're not going to commit to the financial aspect of him, then don't even get involved in the trade. I, I got no problem with that. I, but I would rather not insult the Raptors organization and have them laugh at us about the compensation package that we're offering than just stay out of the, stay out of the way. Stay out of the way. And yeah, maybe the Raptors aren't going to get what they want. But I, I look at this, and and again, I've got eyes. I can see we're giving away DeAndre Hunter because, I mean, probably part of it's the money aspect of it. But DeAndre Hunter and draft picks and, and A.J. Griffin, like, again, we were talking about six players for Jalen Brown. I'm getting rid of my trash and you know, one of my younger players and some draft picks. Who's going to fall? Who? What GM's going to fall for that? What GM's going to look at that and say, well, that's a sweet deal for us. 
Make it make sense. Are we really committed to being better? Are we seriously committed to doing what we have to do as an organization to get better, to be a top-tier team? If we're going to offer packages like that, no wonder the Raptors aren't going to bite on something like that. No wonder the Raptors are looking at like, uh, yeah, no thanks. Make it make sense. Right now, we're not a better team than we were a few months ago. That's a fact. We're not better. And by the way, August 2nd, or sorry, October 2nd or 3rd, whatever day training camp opens up, it'll be here before you know it. And we're going to roll this thing back out with the same guys and hope that, you know, well, you know, it's going to be better and all this, that, and the other. I don't have a lot of confidence right now in what the Atlanta Hawks are doing. Sorry. I mean, you can miss me with that whole narrative. All right, as you make hitting hard your first listen, be sure to go into whatever podcast platform that you listen on and let us know that you're an everyday listener to the program. So we call them our everydayers, and we definitely thank you so much for being a part of our growing community. But let us know that you're an everyday listener, a five-day-a-week listener into the program. So thoughts about the depth chart as the Atlanta Falcons just released their first depth chart of the uh, new season as we head into week one of the preseason. Now, again, take this with a grain of salt. And obviously, this is partly about veterans getting the benefit of the doubt. Um, You know, again, not what we're going to see over the course of the year and the percentage of snaps and things like that that we're going to to look at. But a couple of just interesting things that, that I thought about it, okay? So here's who the starters are on offense. You've got Mac Hollins and Drake London at wide receiver. You've got Jake Matthews, Matt Hennessy, Drew Dahlman, Chris Lindstrom, Caleb McGarry at our offensive line. Cordero Patterson is listed as our starting running back. Um, Desmond Ritter, our starting quarterback. Keith Smith, our starting fullback. Jonu Smith as a starting tight end. And Kyle Pitts at a starting tight end. All right, so that's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 starters that we have on offense. See, there's one problem, though, is that uh, we can only play 11 guys at one time. Um, I like the idea. I I would love to see the league get petitioned to let the Falcons play with 12 guys on offense, but I don't think that that's really going to happen. So, again, Keith Smith is going to be a guy who – probably is making this team because of his special teams value. You know, he's only played by and large 25% of the snaps over the last couple of years. And I wonder how much of a role there is for him in this offense. You know, again, we will see him in limited bursts and different things like that. But I think Arthur Smith is going to keep a fullback, you know, on the roster and in the fold to have a fullback that's available to it. But again, we can see Parker Hesse and some of these guys line up as those H-backs and different things like that, or Keith Smith, you know, split out wide, you know, at some point or whatever like that as a decoy, whatever. But again, he's a guy that's only playing about 25% of the snaps. But again, he is playing about one out of every four snaps. So it, it will it, it is interesting just to see kind of what role Keith Smith will have, but at the end of the day, he's going to be a special teams player. That's going to be his calling card as to why ultimately 
he makes the roster. We we can have guys that can do some of the other things that, that he does, but he's a good special teams player, and that's why he'll ultimately make the roster. Now, on the defensive side of the football, again, we talked about this in the in the first segment, that Arnold Ebicady is listed as one starting uh, outside linebacker, and Bud Dupree is the other outside linebacker. And Lorenzo Carter is his backup, where Adi Ogundeji is Ebicady's backup, and D'Angelo Malone um, is third on the depth chart. And, you know, I I wonder about, like I said at the first segment, I wonder about how much competition there is for that starting outside linebacker spot. You know, is there a competition between Lorenzo Carter, who played a crap ton last year? Like I said, he played over 75% of the snaps last year for this team. I wonder how much of a competition there is at that outside linebacker spot opposite of Ebicady. Or is Bud Dupree the the go-to guy in all this? And I got no problem with that. I'm just curious from a standpoint of, again, we just talked about they're going to do a myriad rotation of guys depending on the scheme and the scenario and situation. You know, they're going to play situational football. And again, remember, this is all positionless football, right? It's all positionless football. But when it comes time to get after the quarterback, I do think Dupree is going to be the guy. But we could see, again, even a Michael Walker play over there. But what I want more than anything, though, is a running mate for Arnold Ebicady. I just want somebody who can do some good things and be a solid presence opposite of Ebicady. Because if all of the focus is on Ebicady, you know, again, and teams are going to go after him. If we don't have anybody viable on the opposite side, we're going to have some trouble. And, and not just the situational football of this guy in coverage. And yeah, I'm talking specifically about pass rush. Because again, I will say the biggest fear I have is our pass rush. And, and that's the thing that I think holds us back when we look back at the season. It's again, the, the reason that we have not won in five years isn't because, well, we've had salary cap issues or we've had these roster limitations or what have you. Teams go worse to first all the time. Teams are in cap purgatory all the time. Every team has got cap purgatory issues. The Saints have had cap purgatory issues for 15 years. Hey, even in the middle of Drew Brees' career, they had salary cap issues. It's not all that. We don't influence the game at the point of attack enough. We don't have enough good players at the positions that influence the game the most. That's been why we don't win. Not because of salary caps and roster building. My God, I just uh, the, the things that I hear anyway. Um, but again, having that running mate to go along um, with him. Michael Walker's a guy who, again, he's listed behind Troy Anderson and Caden Ellis. Michael Walker's a guy who I think is going to play all over the field. So, again, he can play inside. He'll probably play a little bit of outside, especially when it comes pass coverage and things like that. But I'm, I'm going to be curious to see just as the season moves along what his role is going to be for this team. Uh, the other one is Jalen Hawkins, who's the backup to Jesse Bates. And I wonder if how much of a competition there is for the other starting safety spot 
between Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins. Is it a fait accompli that Richie Grant, who's done a lot of good things in camp this year, is just the de facto starter there? I would think, I mean, again, he's a second-round draft pick, and they've got a couple of years in him now. But Jalen Hawkins is a guy that I really like. And, and my buddy Jarvis Davis always talks about Jalen Hawkins that when he was drafted, that that he was a guy. And, and look, he was a ball hawk guy out of Cal, played a little bit reckless because he, you know, again, he was getting penalties at, at Cal where he was going up and laying some lumber on some people. But I'd rather have that than a guy who's afraid. But again, is there a competition between Grant and Hawkins at the end of the day? I'm not so sure about uh, all of that. And then Calais Campbell's listed as, you know, along with David Onyemata and, and Grady Jarrett, that that's going to be our line of scrimmage, you know, our guys inside. I wonder if Campbell will play a little bit of a hybrid role where he is a little bit outside and this, that, and the other. And then the other thing is the last thing is the uh, the idea of where Zach Harrison is in all of this. Right now he's listed as third defensive line. He's obviously done a lot of good things in practice. But again, we know that rookies don't play a significant role in our team. And that's been true over the last couple of years. He's going to have to work himself into a rotation to probably find himself some snaps. But I look forward. He's one of the guys I'm going to look forward to seeing coming up here on Friday night. All right, well, thank you so much for making Hitting Hard your first listen. Be sure to go in and leave us a comment on whatever podcast platform that you listen on, that you're an everyday listener to the program. Let us know that you're an everydayer, as we like to say. We thank you so much for being a part of our community. We ask you to subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can get the latest episodes of Hitting Hard as soon as they become available. Also, check us out on the SiriusXM app and give me a follow on my personal Twitter page at JMCH316. Back with you tomorrow. This has been Hitting Hard with John Chuckery, Locked on Sports Atlanta. 